1: What's going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another Bring the Juice Colts podcast live stream. Guys, I know we didn't get a chance to talk about Chris Ballard and Frank Reich's post-draft day three presser. Uh was just so busy with so many other draft concepts that were going on and dealing with uh, also talking with uh, Morocco Brown. Uh, that night as well so you know a lot was going on during that time frame so I didn't have time to react to it but I figured today with all of you being here that we could just interact with that today kind of get a feeling for what they had to say at the end of day three Uh, let me know in the comments what you guys thought of our day three picks I know a lot of people said you know a lot of names that we've not really heard of before but Again, it kind of went with the same concept that they went into with day two and three. Uh, I appreciate everyone being in here. Thank you so much uh, for all your support. Be sure to like the stream, guys, if you haven't already. Gets it out to more people. Thank you to the hundred plus of you in here already. So greatly appreciate you guys. And again, be sure to like, comment in the chat and subscribe if you haven't already. We've had over 150 new subscribers over the span of this last draft weekend. So I greatly appreciate that. Thank you guys again so much for the support on all the videos recently. Uh, All the draft videos did really, really well. Uh, Couldn't be happier. Did much better than they did the previous year uh, with all the videos around. So greatly appreciate you guys uh, supporting the channel. But thank you guys again so much for tuning into this. We're going to hop right into this thing. I'm going to share my screen with you all. And then we can get started and listening to this. Thank you all again so much for tuning into this today. And we will go ahead and get started. Let's see what we got here. Thank you to everyone Uh. in the chat. Thank you. And again, for anyone that wonders, this is Chris Ballard and Frank Reich. Day three, post-draft presser live. Here we go.
2: So good, you know, good weekend for us. Um, you know, commend our staff, you know, both scouts and coaches working together and making sure we got players that we, you know, we all liked and got the talent that we look for and you know the character that we look for um but you know excited going forward about all these guys we got so far away
1: yeah i heard i heard the question from before but i'll just in case anyone didn't hear it uh so Reggie Wayne's been in the door for 10 minutes and he's already got the receiver that he likes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was funny. I mean, they did say, I mean, Alec Pierce was uh Reggie Wayne's guy. Uh, he, he, he really wanted Alec Pierce and I think Ballard and company are glad that they were able to get the guy that Reggie Wayne wanted, uh, and is excited to teach. And that's, that's a great thing.
2: That's exactly how it works. Um, now look, I'll give, Reg has been great. Reg's gonna be a good coach. Um Frank will tell you, we've been on this with Reggie for a few years now. Um, and then, you know, finally the time, the time was right for Reg, but you know, he's it's the same, you know, he's attacking it the same way he did as a player. You know, he's works, he's diligent, he's thorough. Um, he's got a lot of knowledge to teach. He's got to grow as a coach like, you know, any young coach, but He's got a Reggie's got a lot of talent. Um, and I think he's gonna be really good. And I think he's gonna be great for that, for that room. You
1: guys always go for
3: athletic, but this was like an exceptionally athletic class. Was there some sort of emphasis, something new you needed to do this year?
2: No, I don't think it's any different. I don't, you know, maybe it sticks out a little more this year, but I think every year we've got certain things that we're looking, you know, we got bottom lines that we're looking for. Um, and if they don't have them, they usually don't make our board. Um, so you know we're always looking for athletic, unique traits that we want to take.
1: So interesting, and uh, thank you again for everyone in the chat with the nice comments. Greatly appreciate you guys uh, for all that support and that uh, the kind words. Thank you. Uh, very interesting um, that Ballard said this. And thank you again. Uh, be sure to like the stream, guys, if you haven't already. Please thank you to 160 of you in here. Uh, Ballard said that they asked about the athletic ability of all these players, right? I asked Morocco Brown and our uh, Colts content creator group uh, when the media availability came open for that. I asked him a very similar question to this, uh, almost exactly the same question. I asked him, you know, you look at the athletic scores of the guys that we drafted, right? And you saw the numbers, like the athletic scores for all of these guys. Just phenomenal. Like, I mean, they're, they pop off the board, right? And I asked him, like, was that something that you guys came into uh, the draft process really looking at or was that just something to happen? And, you know, he said the same thing. Uh, it came down to traits, uh, you know, having those unique traits. I mean, he they said they never really do go out of their way to get the most athletic guys. But, uh, you know, when it came to, everything that went down to it, you know, having those physical unique traits is something that gets these guys on their board. Right. And that's what, I mean, that with all of these guys being athletic, that was one of the things that they all had in common was that they all had a physical athletic ability that they liked. And that was one of the traits, if not many traits that a bunch of these draft picks had. So that was one of the reasons why they got these guys like that. It wasn't, specifically due to their athletics but that was one trait that all these guys had and one of those unique traits was athletic ability so you know I asked something very similar to this so glad Ballard and Morocco were on the same page with that
4: curious for your thought process as you welcome that in and you tweak the offense a little bit and you you know you didn't add anything on offense and free agency and you added a lot in the last couple days what were you guys looking for specifically to surround him that would make his life a little bit easier I mean, you're always looking
3: for playmakers. You know, guys who can make plays in the clutch, make plays in third down, red zone, um, chunk plays. Looking for guys who are in the skill position room who are, you know, not just great playmakers but unselfish. Um, you know, we because we move guys around, spread it around, um, and you know, both both these guys that we got early are big time. They, they hit all those. They check all those boxes. They
4: got to come in. They got to practice
3: they gotta earn it but is is pierce a guy that could play significantly in year one Do you feel like he could step in and really contribute to that room right away yeah it's going to be very it's same every year i mean we're you know, we we're talking about this as an offensive staff the other day before the draft ever even started we we're just saying you know this year as much as any year like in these skill there is no depth chart that we're just competing you know we're rolling and roll guys through. I mean it's the NFL in a sense everybody knows that's the way that's what's great about these guys they all know that we're going to put the best guys on the field so um we'll roll through everybody got a chance to compete
1: and I think that it's very interesting you know them asking about Alec Pierce and everything else I think a lot of people just have this fake notion that you know Alec Pierce is supposed to come in and dominate the game right away you know i mean frank reich and this is something that i think a lot of us don't i think understand once the season starts uh but doesn't but we don't understand it until it actually gets there is that you know the colts are never really selfish when it comes to trying to get one player involved right they 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 are one of the better teams in the nfl about spacing it out And honestly, even though it doesn't always seem like it, that's why the Colts offense continues to remain so effective throughout the years. I mean, again, over the last two seasons, the Colts have actually been the ninth best offense in the NFL. Uh, And, you know, that sometimes gets thrown out because we just look at all the bad. But a lot of times we look at the good and, you know, I mean, you got to look at the good and you got to understand what makes this Colts team so good. And a lot of times it's due to the fact that you know, they don't ever rely on one specific guy to take over and be the a number one thing. I mean, obviously, you have Jonathan Taylor for that at, at times. You know, you want to be able to run the football with Jonathan Taylor and establish that run game. But, you know, I mean, in the passing game specifically, the Colts are very unselfish about how they approach it. You know, they try to get every single person involved and not just try to limit themselves to one specific player in that offense. So uh, kind of a good thing there
3: it does seem like overall that was a, a hallmark of this draft like i don't know how many guys how many of these guys come in and start but it does seem you've added some competition and did your team need that right now i think we needed an
2: influx of youth you know we're young. we're i tell you we're still pretty young um but you know it's the you know the group from 18 you know now they're four years in the league um and we you know one of our big objectives was we wanted to add a, you know, as many good young talented players as we could to create as much competition as we could look, we all know what makes people better having to compete. Um, And we think we've added some guys that's going to, you know, push that, um, that competition to the level, you know, to another level.
1: Competition,
2: competition.
1: At all positions.
2: Um, Well, I think in the draft, you know, you know, at wide out, we had a two tight ends, um, uh, you know, adding another safety to the group, which, you know, we, I didn't really get into Nick as much yesterday, but, you know, I don't know if it was definitely a need, but we just, I mean, here he was sticking out on the board and we said, you know what, we need to go get Nick cross. He's a, we think he's a really talented player um, and he's going to, he's going to add a lot of you know talent to that, to the back end. Um, and then, Expect and you know our thoughts on the front. I mean, you know, we always want to keep our eye on it. So both offense and defensive line, you know, being able to get two athletic defensive tackles that fit kind of what we want. Um, was I thought that was really good by our group identifying those type of type of type of talent that they needed to have.
1: So uh yeah, I mean again, we talked about it. I talked a little bit about it with my brother on the way to the car co- into the car uh before I got over here, you know, we were talking about it and thank you to the 200 people in here right now. Shout out to all of you. Thank you for the support. Uh, I just think that we're talking about Nick cross and we're like, wow, the Colts, Actually traded up like eighty spots to go get him, right? Because you think about it, that one twenty-two pick that we had that got traded with Minnesota, so we had to give that up. And then you had pick one fifty-nine, but then you gave up one seventy-nine to go and you know, and then gave up a third to give Nick Cross again, adding and in a position that wasn't of a need. You know, the Colts really didn't need Nick Cross, but they said. This guy is sticking out on the board right now. We're amazed that he's still there. What a phenomenal player that he is. We need to go and get this guy. I mean, because this guy could be, you know, just a a game changer uh, for this team. And, you know, that was what they said. I mean, that was their rationale for getting Nick Cross because, you know, a guy that size and that athletic at that position and fitting into the scheme of what the defense they're trying to run with Gus Bradley. I mean, they said it was a, it was a home run situation for them. They think it's going to be a fantastic play. I mean, you don't you don't go up and get a guy like that unless you really really wanted him at that spot. And again, this is Ballard taking a shot on a guy that's not of, in a position of need, but of a player that you think you can't go without. I mean, Jonathan Taylor was the same thing. We saw what happened there. I mean, if Nick crosses anything like what we saw with Jonathan Taylor, ends up being. I mean, good lord, that, that safety room with uh cross and blackman. Oh my gosh, that that is that is scary. And you know, we we're talking about um the defensive tackles quite a bit over the last few days. Uh, it was very surprising to see um it was very surprising to um see that Ballard, you know, went with defensive tackles mostly in this draft rather than getting some interior offensive line depth. Not sure if they'll uh uh not sure if they're gonna end up talking about it or not on this, but I mean getting defensive tackle depth was definitely something that they needed to do. uh I asked Morocco Brown about Curtis Brooks and whether he was surprised that he would have fell all the way to the sixth round, and you know ended up saying, you know, we weren't insanely surprised at that uh i i I'm surprised that he did, but Said that you know he plays the game the way that we want him to, and I, I'm I'm excited to see what they do there. I'm I'm curious to see if these media guys ask him at all about the interior offensive line depth or taking too many guys at too many spots here.
3: You you take what the draft gives you. You can't force it. So by and large, did it give you what you
2: needed, do, or do you walk away thinking, boy, I wish you always was- wish you had more picks. You know. <laughs> I love the picks when, oh, wow. when I was sitting there in the fourth round, I was like, ah, dog, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you wish you had your, I think, I think Baltimore had six of them. It's like watching myself bleed, getting them to take all those players. <laughs> yeah. I was feeling the same way
1: as Ballard. You know, I, I was like, man, we had a phenomenal day too, but the problem is we're going to have a slow ass start to the third day because, uh, because yeah, Ballard just Ballard, I'm sure it was it sucked sitting back for, you know, what was it, two hours, two and a half hours until you could actually pick for the first time in that d- day three. Uh yeah, I mean the Ravens were I think the Ravens had about twenty percent of the of the uh fourth round draft picks. So yeah, it was it was it was crazy, man. It was crazy.
2: Um but no, I mean, you know, it's good. You always wish. You could take more. I mean, like I tell y'all, that's that's a – like you want to get as many shots as you can, um, you know, to take talent. And the more picks you got, you know, the better chance for the hit rate's going to be. What do you
4: know about the draft right now that you didn't know in 17 and 18 when you
2: started? Oh, God, I was clueless early. I'm not clueless, just more – no doubt. There is no doubt there is. I'm a lot – I've always been a very patient person anyways, but I think I've I've matured in that way where, like, I don't ever panic when something happens that we didn't expect. I mean, and Lord knows I've had a lot of freaking practice at that. Um, and, you know, just having patience, knowing the league, um, understanding what other teams are looking for, and then, you know, kind of where we got players on the board and do we really have a chance – I mean, just take, for example, when we move back, you know, having enough faith and, you know, Frank and I have been together long enough to where, you know, he's not, you know, he has enough faith in us that we're still going to get, you know, good players when we do move back.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, that's just like any job, right? You. Learn a lot over the span of years doing something so many times, you know, from the first couple years that he was doing it, you know, got really good in 2018. I mean, that draft is one of the best drafts that you've ever had. Uh, but yeah, 2017, he struck out on quite a few picks and, you know, 2019 was a little bit of a struggle. Uh, but now in 2020, 2021, he did pretty decent. We think that that's going to turn out to be okay. And obviously here in 2022, just based on paper, we see, you know, we're all kind of happy with some of the picks that they had. Right. And, uh, that's just like with anything, you know, you get more experience, you become more patient, you understand things as they go along. And, you know, he was talking about the trading back scenario. I tweeted about this earlier and I kind of, I don't remember who, I don't remember who asked it. I don't know if I asked it or not in the media availability yesterday, but um asking about, you know, was it a, I think I did ask uh, about that and Morocco just kind of alluded to it here saying that, um, you know, when it, when it came to where they were at at 42, I think it was actually Lawrence that may have asked the question. I'm not sure, but they asked about him training back about them training back and how comfortable they were doing it. And they said that, you know, he, they they felt comfortable because they had so many guys available at 42. I'm guessing it was Alec Pierce. I'm sure it was uh, Sky Moore. I'm sure it was Raymond. I'm sure it was guys like that, you know, like a, a bunch of guys that were still there at 70 something. And then there was Woods, all these other guys. They were all so they were so comfortable with the fact that they had so many guys available at that 42 pick. They're like, okay, we're going to go back. We're going to try to acquire another pick because we feel comfortable even at 53 still being able to get one of the guys that we actually wanted. So, you know, just to kind of give you guys an understanding of their mentality, that was what they were thinking. They had so many players available at 42 that they liked that they were like, okay, let's just add another pick because we still feel comfortable even going back 11 spots. We still feel that one of those guys is going to be there that we want. So, I mean, that, that was great
3: get tested. I mean use this draft as uh, an example coming in of course
4: on the outside knee receivers knee tight ends <coughs> because of what, what you guys have lost this off season do you ever find yourself saying maybe I should deviate on how I want to put a roster together
2: I don't I always think there's an answer it might not be the answer everybody likes but there's there's always going to be a an answer that you can hold the fort with might not be the perfect answer. Um, But between now and always say start of the season in October, you're going to find an answer to help you win. Um, And why, why panic? You know, everybody, everybody gets in a right, like you got a hole. And if you don't fill it right away, they're not going to win. Well, that's not, that's that's not always the case. Um, I think when you get into this season, you know, you've got to figure out what your team can do and what they're good at and where the holes are and then fix them. Um, so now, I mean, you know, I guess I disagree sometimes with just because we're not the first ones out of the gate in free agency doesn't mean we're doing it the wrong way. We we'll we'll see the videos where you got...
1: Again, talking about, you know, the <laughs> trying to find that right strategy to win. Right. I mean, we've, we all, we, I mean, every single one of us, I'm sure, including myself, uh, is guilty of this, of, you know, being critical of Ballard in this regime and not being more aggressive at the start of free agency. Right. I mean, we all, we all had our, uh, our shots at him. Uh, I was too, and I, I've been out here and I've said, I apologize for uh, all that, because Ballard has made me eat my words right. That we got a better quarterback, we got a better cornerback, we got a better defensive end, and we did all of that just in free agency. And we didn't even like, and we didn't even get a free agent up until that point. We had to trade for those, and then uh, obviously Stefan Gilmore is a free agent. So yeah, I mean, I, I I was one of those people, and you know, I mean, the Colts obviously had that patient approach and it has worked so far, especially now that we've seen what we've seen from free agency in the draft.
3: That's Going back and forth with the scouts and everything, do people try to, in your front office, try to get you to kind of I kind of consider you're pretty darn
0: stubborn in my eyes when it comes mm-hmm. to free agency at times. Do you have people in your air saying, hey, come on, Chris,
3: maybe we should try to get this guy spend this amount of money?
2: I think they, I mean, I would tell you our staff does a Tremendous job of putting value on where we think their value is. You know they're studying them all year. This is how he fits us. This is what he can do. Um, and look, anytime you over, anytime you overpay, and you don't get that value out of him. I mean, everybody feels really good in March.
1: Thank you again for the three hundred people in here. Be sure to like the stream, comment, and subscribe, guys. Thank you so very much.
2: But then they're then they got to play in September. I mean, we forget that. And they better play at the level you're, you're paying them at. Because if they don't, not only do the, the locker room, like always worry about the locker room, they know. They know exactly who's, you know, they, they're not stupid. They know exactly what each person in there is making and their performance level. I mean, I, I don't always keep that on my mind. Yeah, I think a lot of people,
1: you know, we, we, a lot of times as fans don't quite understand that. I mean, you know, I think it's, I mean, we talked about how many, how, I mean, raise a hands of every person that's in this chat. How many, like, how many of you actually have made a joke about Christian Kirk and the Jags, right? Like, who, who in here has made a joke about that? Because I mean, we, I think we all could agree that Christian Kirk should not be making over $20 million a year, but we made that joke, right? Because, I mean, the Jaguars probably screwed up in doing that. So we'll we'll see. We'll we'll see what uh we'll see what happens with it. But I mean, you know, we trash them all the time for doing it. And sure enough, I mean, it's kind of ironic, you know, that we talk about this every single year. The Jags spend more money in free agency every year than what any other team does. But yet somehow, some way their team always ends up last. And yet the Colts spend some of the fewest amount, littlest amount of money. And yet we continue to uh, perform at a higher level than Jacksonville does. So, you know, I mean, I think it, it's kind of funny how we just don't understand that sometimes.
3: For the competition just now, two tight ends. I know that's, that's always a point of emphasis for you, but just what, what does that room look like right now in your mind? Yeah, I feel good about that room. Uh, as you know, it's, the offense really wants to be tight end centric in some ways. Um, a lot of playmaking goes on in the middle of the field. Um, you get the you get unique matchups. There's a lot of things you can do formationally. There's a lot of things you can do when you put multiple tight ends on the field at the same time. Um, but you always want to have enough good players that that you can put those different personnel groups on uh, on the field. And you know it's interesting. We go into this draft every year, and I think I say to Chris every year. And almost and the team, there's a sense where as a coach where you know you love your guys, the guys you already have on our roster.
1: I'll say this uh, to Frank's point about the tight end centric ability. Uh, I think that's a great I think that's a great uh, idea because me personally, I've been saying it all along that the tight end is one of the most underappreciated positions when it comes to Super Bowl teams. I could argue that the tight end is more important than the wide receiver position at a lot of times. uh, You just look at some of the last uh, Super Bowl winners. I mean, I would argue four of the last five Super Bowl winners have uh, won the Super Bowl based off of, you know, having uh, the best tight end. You know, I I would argue that. And, you know, and, and he's right that. You know, there's a lot of stuff that happens in the middle of the field that you can really take advantage of if you know how to use your tight ends and your receivers and, you know, the Colts run two tight end sets more than anyone else uh, in, in the NFL, right? Because, you know, you feel confident in running the football. And that's what you can do with guys like Moali Cox and Jelani Woods out there now, you know, and, and not only that, but guys that, you know, can go out and catch and be able to still block at any given notice, you know, so the Colts idea of trying to be more tight end centric in the offense, I think is a great thing. I think it should be that way because then you take a lot of focus off of the wide receivers, especially, and then that opens up a lot of things on the outsides. If you're trying to focus on the inside of the field.
3: And, and so I, we always i always start with the mentality like hey we, we don't need any draft picks we're, we're good <laughs> anything we get in the draft is a bonus. i really feel like that like i, I don't make that up I, I i really do feel that way um but that being said, you know there's other uh, there's a lot of players that i'm telling you know chris and i are talking about i love that guy or you know i'm listening to what chris and his staff are saying and we're engaging and oh, love that guy. Yeah, I see it the exact same way or mm-hmm. this. So um, when we get to add pieces, it's fun. And it makes us, you hear us talk about, we want to be multiple. And the tight, it starts inside out. And the tight end position is really
4: important. Do you feel like you get got away more from that late in the season? Like middle of the field, tight end, being
3: effective? Um, I don't know if we got away from it. You, you, you adapt and adjust as you go to do what's working to try to get the ball where it needs to go uh, to, for every game. So we're always going to do that week by week, um, play by play. As you guys know, we talk about it all the time. How do we put the guys in the best position? That, that's a never ending discussion that with who's available and how healthy is the team? That's how we do it. Who's like Pierce on the inside, outside both? I like him on the outside. I mean, I think, he, you know, he'll move around. Um, you know, and we'll see how much he play. You know, it's like you said, we'll, he'll compete. But as you guys know, we, we, we it's play by play. We're going to move the guys around. that need to know multiple positions. They need to be smart enough to do that. All of our receivers are. And he fits in that mold as well. But what, one of the things I like on his tape is I like him outside. Um, I think he's very good versus press. I think he's got length and vertical speed to get down the field. Um, I think for his size, he's a very good route runner. Uh, he's going to Know, but so it'll be fun to see him grow and develop and compete over these next couple months. With what, you, with what, you, with what you've done with Pierce and some undergraduate guys at receiver, does that alter your approach with your thoughts on TY? No,
2: nah, I mean, well, like I've said all along, I still think he can still play. Um, we'll work through that here over the next week. Now yeah, we'll see. We'll work through it.
1: Really hope that means that. uh, TY Hilton's going to be back here very soon. Uh, oh, and by the way, for the Granson thing, no, I don't think this means at all that granson has gone. I know we, we did the same thing with, uh, Marlon Mack, uh, in 2020, right? Um, now granted, I know, I understand now that, you know, things got away and obviously, um, And obviously, when it came down to it, Marlon Mack did eventually become the odd man out. I don't think they want Granson gone because Granson still has a lot of potential still left in him. But I'm not ready to make a argument for that just because Granson's not in the mix at the moment. We're just talking so much about Molly Cox and uh, we're talking about Jelani Woods. Again, every team runs three tight ends. I mean, some, some teams run four tight ends. You know, I mean, and and the Colts know that, you know, the tight end position has been a position that we've oftentimes had a lot of injuries uh, go through that position a lot. So, you know, I mean, having a guy like Granson as your third tight end uh, would mean quite a bit. And who's to say Granson even is the third tight end? I mean, what if he actually isn't tight end number two, you know, going into this? I mean, Jelani Woods, we know what Jelani Woods can become, but You know, he's got to get there first, right? I mean, Grandin's been a tight end for a lot longer than Jelani Woods has, you know, probably is the better tight end at this moment in time, uh, especially since, you know, he's been in the NFL for a year, so he understands how it goes, but uh, it's one of those things, you know, you just got to be careful um, about how you approach that because Granson can still play.
4: Thanks guys. Thank Thank you. you. Being with the uh,
1: scouting staff shortly here. All right. And that is day three, the Ballard and Reich presser for uh the end of the draft. Uh very curious to hear your guys' thoughts on that. And uh thank you guys again for all the likes and support. Greatly appreciate it. Uh I saw some guys talking about the um I saw some guys talking about some of the, uh, uh, talking about the undrafted free agents. And uh, I think a couple of them that really stick out to me. Uh, number one is Jojo, uh, the linebacker from Wisconsin. Uh, I mean, some people were saying uh, he should have been drafted in like the fourth round. Uh, and Bobby, the Browns drafted David Bell. So Jojo being drafted undrafted and being able to be signed by Indianapolis is a huge thing. Uh don't be surprised if he's competing for doing a if he's competing for um JoJo's from Nebraska. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought it was Wisconsin, my bad. They're they're the same colors, are they not? <laughs> um but yeah, it, it's it's funny because you know, th- th- that kind of guy being there to compete is definitely a great thing. I, I think he's going to do a fantastic job everywhere. And Woods is like a Trey Burton type that can run the Wildcat. I, I mean, listen, he was a quarterback at one point. He was a quarterback. So he, you, he knows how to do that stuff. And he is athletic. So you never know. I mean, they could do something like, there's uh, something that could happen for that. JoJo dropped, I think... I th- I don't quote me on this. I think it was injuries. I think there was some kind of injury concern. it's uh, why a lot of these guys dropped. That's why Justin Ross didn't get drafted because of a spine injury. Uh, Carson Strong didn't get drafted because of his knee being blown out. Uh, you know, there, there, there was a lot of those that was in this draft. And I think the some of the running backs that they got, I mean, very interesting, Devontae Price and CJ Verdell. I look for those guys to potentially take a mark and I I don't remember. I Ryan Vandermark, I think was the other one. Uh, He had the third highest fully guaranteed money of any undrafted free agent that was signed over the weekend. So it's, I think it's a very fair indication that the, uh, that the Colts are really high on Vandermark because you know, you're not paying a guy $175,000, you know, in fully guaranteed money as an undrafted free agent if you didn't think that uh, he was going to end up doing something. So JoJo had two ACLs and was a six-year guy. Jeez. Talk about, talk about a rough start there, huh? But yeah, I mean, even ESPN thought he was going to get drafted in like the fourth round. And, you know, to see him drop... Uh, to an undrafted free agent is insane. But that's, I think that's going to do it for this one, guys. Uh, Just appreciate you guys hanging out with me and watching the uh, end of the day presser of day three. Just wanted to react to that because I never got a chance to do it uh, Saturday night because I was doing a whole bunch of other things going on. But again, thank you all again so much for, Uh, Thank you guys again so much for tuning in and showing all your support over the last few days. And thank you again for everyone that was tuning into this stream. I mean, I did not expect 300 plus of you to be in here, but I greatly appreciate it. Again, be sure to like the stream guys if you can help get it to more people and be sure to comment and be sure to subscribe if you haven't already have gotten over 200 uh, new subscribers over the last few days. Greatly appreciate you guys. And also be on the lookout for, Giveaways. I fully expect once we know uh, all the players' names and everything, uh, numbers and everything else, we're going to probably be giving out some uh, jerseys coming up here shortly. We're planning to give a Yannick Ngakwe jersey out, a uh, Stefan Gilmore jersey as well. Maybe we will give up uh, a few rookie jerseys as well once we figure those out. And also be on the lookout for more content. We're going to have a little bit more end of the draft content. We might potentially have a chance to uh, talk with some of the rookies at some point, uh, asking them about their journey and being selected by the Colts. So again, keep on the lookout for all that, guys. Thank you all so much again for the continued support. Thank you, BTJ fam. And as always, guys, go Colts.